0: Well, this week we're beginning a, a lengthy journey toward transformation. We're going to be going through the series called Transitions of Transformed Life. I encourage you to get the book. It's by Madison, a gentleman named John N. Mathison. pastor at Fraser United Methodist Church in uh, Alabama. Uh, so for the next five weeks, we're going to be examining those marks of discipleship that we talked about, the vows of the church, uh, when we talk about prayer and study uh, and how that impacts our life when we We've been in worship every, every week that's present, giving up our time, our talent, and our resources, serving inside and outside the walls of the church, and developing spiritual relationships. What that means is that mentoring and discipling others, but also being mentored and, and being discipled by others in our life. Those are the treasures of a transformed life. when We have those things in our life. The Holy Spirit works within that to transform us and so to make us a new creation. We know how we're created to that's how it happens it's through the discipleship process that we have through prayer, presence, gifts, service, witness. So we're gonna gather together over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about each of those things, and your service sheet, and please take that home with you so that you can look at different, different places to be involved and pray about what God is calling you to in the areas of prayer, study, presence, service, witness. When is it that he is, is, is putting on your heart where is he drawing you to? Tom Sunday will bring us back and we'll make our commitment uh, to him and, and uh, by placing us on the So I grew up in California. Don't throw rocks or anything. My uncle, Uncle Johnny, he fancied himself, my, my dad did kind of too. Yeah, they, they weren't like ranchers with the big expensive ranch, but they kind of fancied themselves cattlemen and that kind of thing. So I was involved in 4 H and, and all of the, you know, we raised just about any kind of animal that you can think it. And my mornings were were probably what some of y'all went through, you know, gather the eggs and milk the cow and, and, and slop the pigs, and do all those things. That was kind of the way that I was raised. And, uh, my uncle, he had a, a little place, he, he called it a ranch. Uh, <laughs> it was in a place called Puyama, California. And um, it, he had some land is what he had, and so he had some cattle. And uh, so we'd go up there periodically and stay in tents, and he had a little, one of those little, uh, you know those round trailers? In the, the Airstream. 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 yeah, he had one of those <laughs> we had out there. And so we would go out and we'd spend, spend time out there. And one of the things that he had, you know, obviously they didn't run the water. So he had water wells and and when we would gather water by going to if you know, y'all use one of them long handled water pumps, you know, those things work really good until they get vapor off. And then you have to prime the pump, right? In order to get it going. Well that's what we're gonna be talking about today, is priming the pump. Putting water okay, living the water into us. That God uses to prime us to move us closer to Him. We're going to prepare us, so this is the Lent is the season of that reflection. It's looking at our lives and where we are in our journey with Christ, and where is He drawing us to be? And so we want to be in a, in a spirit of reflection during this time. Where am I in my journey with the Lord? Where am I in my relationship with Jesus Christ? Where do I need to ask for His help? making the changes that will truly transform my life. So God's going to guide us down a path over the next few weeks to discover those areas in our lives. So I challenge you to join together as a congregation and be open to where He has to, to lead us and where He's taking us. So since we're talking about living water, the passage that we're going to use is probably a relatively familiar one to many of us. It's that of John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, so Jesus asked her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to get some food. The Samaritan woman said to well, him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you he knew the gift of God if Jesus and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welding up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water. Yeah. So that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. And he said, Well, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And he said, yeah, You're right. when you say you have no husband, what you just said is quite true. The fact that you have had five husbands, the man you now have is not your husband. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place for us worship is in Jerusalem. "'Woman,' Jesus replied, "'Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. "'You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Of course, salvation is from the Jews. "'Yet a time is coming, and has now come. The true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, "'for they are the kind of worshipers the Father sees. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the Spirit.'" And in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of God for all people. thank, thank you God. God. So we're all in different places in our journey and our walk with the Lord. That's what's great about God, because God meets us where we are. He doesn't think I'm over here and I'll meet you over there, because he walks with us from here to there. He's with us right where we are. So we don't need to be concerned about the comparisons that we have a tendency to make in the church about whether you're burning, you're behind, I'm ahead. That's not, not about God, that's about us. God meets us in the place where we are. Don't have to worry about, am I in the right place? So you're in the place where you're right where you need to be. This morning, you're right where you need to be. God will meet you in this place. The beautiful thing is He won't leave you there. See, none of us have arrived. I, I might just surprised at some of you. Know? None of us have arrived. We're all on a journey together. In fact, Doctor man is one of the things that we pray uh, during the weekend is we say a prayer for the ones who need the weekend the most and the one that thinks he needs it the least. God always has more in store for us as we grow closer to him. always has more in store for us. If you look at your journey, you see that it may have started on that wide path. We talked about the narrowing of the path. It may have started out here, but God has something for us. No matter whether you've been doing this for 70 years or one minute, God has something for us on the path. There's always something just in front of us in our journey with Him. It can always be fresh and new and, and move and passionate and moving forward close to Him. So During this time over the next few weeks, we're going to pray that each of us will not be so caught up with family or with work or with school or with other activities that can draw us from God and pray that God will be able to refresh us in this place. Because some of us are tired. Amen? I get tired. And sometimes I need to be refreshed. And so over the course of the next weeks, I pray for that, for all of us. That whether we're tired whether we're that that God will meet us in the place where we are. Where we are five weeks from now will be determined by what we invest in this process. If you don't invest anything in it, you're not going anywhere and where you are. You know, that you might be the place you need to be. I don't know. That's between you and God. But if you invest in this process and think about these things and, and reflect on prayer and reflect on study and reflect on worship and what that means in your life and serving and... And spiritual relationships and, and all of those things, giving. Where are you? And God will move with you to a new place. The changes we make in our individual lives will affect us as the body. Interesting thing: psychologists tell us that most people in America today are unsatisfied. <coughs> Garrison Keeler wrote an that he called it, if only I could have, oh, never mind. <laughs> he wrote that he loved to look at the Sunday real estate ads, imagining how happy he would be if he could only take one more leap toward that penthouse at 72nd and Broadway or the beach at O.M.T. 1928, the network of John D. Rockefeller was $995 million, which translates to $6.5 billion now. And he gave a plastic answer and asked how much money was enough. You know, he said, just a little more. Just, just a little more. Aren't we all like that? though? We had that dinner. Well I, want, well, I just want a little more. I, I, might have nice flip-flops, but I just want a little nicer flip-flops. <laughs> I might have nice clothes, or I want just a little bit nicer clothes, nicer car, nicer town, nicer, nicer, more, a little, just a little bit. If I could just. Have a little bit more, then I'll be okay. And then, of course, what happens? When I get that little bit more? If I could just have a little bit more, that'll be the key. It'll be the solution. I'll be good. It's like Christmas morning, right? Woo-hoo, I got this thing. Oh, wait, I got this thing. Oh. And then the next day, well, this one, this one. A little bit. It tells us that there's a deep thirst in us. Because there is something that we need a little bit more of. Amen? A little bit more Holy Spirit. A little bit more of God. Think about that. If that was where our heart was, if the treasure in our heart was to draw nearer to God, if that was the treasure that we saw. Maybe you can taste some of that performance that we're promised. We need to quit running so fast. Talk about this on that, State. Let me go fast. Oh, it's the next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And the world wants us to because the faster we go, the less time we have for reflection and for finding God in our life. The world wants us to go fast but we've got to find a way to create margin in our lives, so that we can get a little bit of space, so that we can spend some time drawing nearer to God, nearer to the One who wants He wants us to do. They wants us to spend time with Him. So that when we talk about priming the pump, the first thing to realize really is that there is a way to quench that yearning, year. but it's not with the things of the world; it's with the things of God. The second time in the front council, we realize that God really, really loves us. Do you know that? Oh wait, say, say God loves me. God loves me. Now tell God, God loves me. God, God loves Amen. me. Amen. He does. He really, really does. You know what's cool? You know, uh, we got a lot of bags up here on the altar, right? You got a lot of names on them. got bags for anybody who, who reserved a place has a bag. I mean, anybody that said yes to the invitation, you got a bag. Funny, God says that too. If you say yes to him, the invitation, you get that. Now, some of these bags have been up here for a while, a couple of them fell down. <laughs> but they're still here. You know, the great thing about God, this is just cool. You may not have said yes. You know he has more bags. There's always room. He told a, a, a parable about the guys who went to work in the field and the guys who got there early, you know, they got paid the things and faith. the guys who got there at the end, they got mad about that. And his point was it don't matter when you got to the field. You may, you may need to pick up a bag today, that's okay. God says, I got it. I got the tape to <laughs> See, because God wants this whole thing to be filled up where there's no more room. He wants everybody to say yes. The gift is, is given. It's up to us to say yes to The invitation is out. We get to say yes or you don't say no. That's up to us. But that's the second thing that I really want you to realize. God loves you. He loves you where you are. He loves you absolutely where you are. He cares so much for us that He gave us living water through faith in Jesus Christ, offering the best of life in all things, large and small. Isaiah wrote this in chapter 43, verse 2. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. Think about that. God is with you when you go through deep waters, great trouble. God is with you. When you come through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You may feel like you're drowning. You may not be able to catch a breath, but God will get you up to where you can catch a breath. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you shall not be burned up. For I am the Lord your God, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. For I am with you. But to know this, though, we might need to be a little bit like Peter and get out of the boat. You know, get out of the comfort zone. I know for some of you this morning is definitely out of your comfort zone you're coming into a church service. We've got tables. What in the world are you guys doing? <laughs> this ain't church. Of course, you're probably like that when we set up chairs in the beginning because they weren't pews. Comfort zones are okay for a while, but we do not need to them. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to get out on the water. And yes, we're going to get out there. We're going to get scared. We're going to take our eye off Jesus. We're going to start to think But immediately, if you turn your eye back to Jesus, he will grab you. He will not let me fall. you fall. He will not let you fall. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. He is with us. Hopefully we're not too busy or inattentive to notice God's love for us. So we can have great expectations for what God's going to do over the next week. Please do. I don't know what God's going to do, but have great expectations for what He's going to do over the next week during our time together. The one who made you is absolutely committed to you. He's so committed, He sent His Son to die for you and for me. Committed to seeing you better than what's where you are. But He also expects a commitment from us that's real. It's real, and not one that just looks good on the outside. If there's one thing to take from how Jesus taught the Pharisees, that's it. Don't just worry about what you look like on the outside because it ain't important. What's going on inside? God expects us a And We can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but we can fool God never. <laughs> never. You don't get to fool God. We may fool ourselves, but we can't fool God. God is... God knows our heart. He knows what's going on inside of us. Commitment means establishing priorities. Where do I spend my time? What do I spend my time thinking about? Where do I spend my money? What are my priorities in life? Look at those three things and you'll find your priorities. Look at your checkbook. What's your priority? Where do you spend your time? That's a priority. What do you think about it? That's a priority. Establish priorities. Making the kingdom of God our priority transforms the way that we live our life. See, unless we're faithful in small matters, we will not be faithful in large ones. Luke 16. Days. Commitment is difficult, I know. It means choosing to please God instead of pleasing human <coughs> beings, our friends, our neighbors, maybe our spouse or our family. But it's making a choice about what we really, really believe and are we willing to live that out willing to commit to, to Him in our lives. we willing to do that. Jonathan Matheson said this. He said, When the ground we stand on is one of faith and commitment to God, we can be assured that He has a plan for our lives, a solution for our problems, and a hope for the future. I said, When the ground we stand on is one of faith and commitment to God, we can be assured that He has a plan for our lives, a solution for our problems, and a hope for the future. Still help us, stay promises of God. Reach out to the people around you who will help you help lift you up and encourage you. Do not do this alone. You cannot do this alone. Don't try it. would be like the charcoal that gets taken out of the fire, and put off to the side, and goes out. Gotta get back in the fire. This is the fire. That is us together is the fire. Another area that we're going to look at is is the area of niche. Did you know you have a niche in life? No? What's a niche? There's something that you are specifically gifted and grace to do. You have gifts and graces that that God has given to you that are specific to you that He wants to use to impact others. You have a niche. There's something that's there. There's a So we're going to look at that along the way as well. See, God wants to accomplish things in us and through us. But we have to understand a little bit more about ourselves as well. Where is it that I'm here? What is it that he's calling me to? If we decide to live our lives only according to what we want, we run the risk of missing God's purpose. He has a purpose for you to live a purpose-driven life, not the right books. it's already He has purpose for you. If you're not feeling purpose, get in the Word, Get in prayer. surround yourself with others who can help you find that purpose. How can we glorify God in the way we use our time, money, talent, knowledge in our relationship? That's the question we have to look at. How might we begin to see ourselves as a risk? Taker. Are you a risk taker? You can answer that. Are you a risk taker? I hope so. I hope that you become one. Not in every area of your life. But when it comes to God to be willing to take a risk Risk takers don't often jump out of airplanes. Sometimes they go across the room and say hello to somebody they don't know. That's taking risk. Right? Because they might say I don't want to talk to you. But they might say, I'm really hesitant. Take a risk. Learn to take risks. That Christianity is all about risk. Do we take actions that indicate that we believe with God all things are possible? Anybody got that on their wall with God all things are possible? Do you believe it? Do you live that way? It's one of the things we can look at. If I believe that, then what does that mean in my life? And here's an interesting one is that everybody in the body of Christ has called to be a minister. Did you know that? The servant of God. Whose job is it to visit the sick? Latin. It's ours, that's right. When it comes to, you know, that is to equip and prepare the saints to do ministry. your are ministers. Now, I'm part of the, all of us, right? So my job is, in that sense, yes, I'm part of y'all to go visit and, and, to, and to visit with people and to support people and to pray for Jesus. And it is not my job to do that. My job is to prepare and equip the body of Christ to be about the work of Christ. And I know that might be a little bit, wait a minute, now what are we paying for? We <laughs> are you prepare to quit the saints to, to the work of God. Whose job is to support and encourage and lift up and uh-huh. nice. <laughs> That's right. Some of us are very gifted in that. Right? Robert Rosalie, I love you guys. I know you don't want to be called out. I love you guys though because that's a giftedness for you guys that is awesome. Yeah, I know it's a blessing to be able to do it. I get that part. Of it. You know, some of y'all, that's what you do is Cheryl, where you write those cards and you send them out. That's awesome. You know, Mary Hall. Mary, are you in there somewhere? Y'all ever received a card from Mary Hall? <laughs> <laughs> it's not because she's with the Salvation Army, it's because she's a member of the body of Christ and about the ministry of the Lord. And that's what we are all to be. We are all ministers. We are all called to be ministers to be servants. We minister to people by the way we live our life, by the way we talk to the person in line next to us in the grocery store. By the little kindnesses of Maybe we bring in the mail for our elderly neighbor to change a light bulb that they can't reach. Volunteer in areas of service in the church and in our community. Maybe it's reading to third graders or spending time with kids at Walker Park Elementary. God calls us to ordinary acts of random kind. It's rare that they're extraordinary. But when you start to do a lot of ordinary acts, it kind of becomes extra-ordinary. That's what we're called to do. When we pay it forward to somebody, maybe they'll grab that and they'll pay it forward to somebody. Maybe they'll pay it forward. Next thing you know, there's this, this thing going on. Anybody ever had something bought for you by the person in front of you in line? Yeah, what does that make you think about doing? It? Doing it for somebody else. What have we lived our life that way? the Kingdom of God comes and we love God so much. We love God so much. We want to be just like Him. We want him to be just like Robbie Atkins, where it's going start watching this great video. You know, I, I, I almost wish that I had it out there that it, it's, it's a little bit longer than what I would like to be. But it wasn't about It's a little boy who ever takes his day. He's a country and western singer. And uh, it makes his dad notice that he is an example in a role model, so some of the lyrics. is driving through town, just my boy and me, with a happy meal in his booster seat, knowing that he couldn't have the toy till his nuggets were gone. A green traffic light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath. His bride went flying, his orange drink covered his lap. Well, then my four-year-old said a four-letter word that started with S, and I was concerned. So I said, Son, now where do you want to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool. <laughs> I'm your brother, Rue. I want to be like you. And eat all my food, grown as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camel pants. Yeah, we're just alike, eh? Dad. Yeah. I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. We got back home. I went to the barn. I bowed my head and prayed real hard. I said, Lord, please help me help my stupid self. Then this side of bedtime later that night, turning on my son's Scooby Doo night He crawled out of bed, he got down on his knees, he closed his little eyes, folded his little hands, and spoke to God like he was talking to a train. And I said, Son, where'd you want to pray like? That? He said, I don't want you to be, Daddy. That's cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. And need all my food very tall college you yard. We've got cowboy boots and camel pants. Yeah, we're just like, Hey, Dad, I want to do everything you do. So, I've been watching you. Our example to follow is Jesus Christ. God forgives us, He loves us, He wants to spend time with us. Jesus wants to talk with us and to listen to us, but God doesn't just call you into relationship with Him, He calls you into relationship with other people. When you catch the Spirit of Christ's love and imitate Him, watch Him. You've got to read Scripture to watch Him. Amen. Oh, my God. You're my enemy on that. We become contagious and we encourage one another. We spread it around. Build each other up. Garrison Feeler decided not to read the real estate ads anymore, as those lovely nations by the sea don't call to him. He hasn't give gives pleasure of knowing that he lives in a home where people miss me when I'm gone, even though they know me very well. <laughs> It takes a lifetime to even begin to figure out that Godly love is this must be romantic, not even having to like some kind of love. It's no. commitment. Most of us want to say that we're committed to Christ, that we want to see first his kingdom, and he might be willing to sell all that we have, right? To get it to him. Well maybe not quite that far, but you know what I mean. There's always some kind of obstacle, roadblock, or challenge in this world of ours prevents us from living that abundant life that he talks that we're supposed to have. Things come along, they distract us, they draw us away from him, temptations abound. There's an Indian proverb that says, that tells us to call on God to roll away from the rocks. You know, call on God to roll away from the rocks. When Jesus was tempted, he responded, he said, it's like uh, feeding on the water. every word of God and not testing the Lord your God. Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. why maybe put it this way, he says, Some Christians have a very small faith, for they are not willing to receive Him fully, let him do great and mighty things for them. God must do great and mighty things, for God, must and mighty things for God must do great and mighty things for me. Are we moving away a little farther with God calls each of us to deeper waters of the God made his commitment to us. What are we going to do about that? So as these next few weeks roll well along, we're going to have the opportunity to learn more about these treasures of discipleship. To commit or recommit our lives to Christ. And we're going to close with this blessing It's from the pastor in africa i actually got to watch him do this and i can't hold him said so we're going to get a shot anyway he had contagious faith contagious faith, and he wrote these words about commitment he said i'm a christian The died has been cast i stepped over the line my decision has been made on a disciple of his i will not let up look back slow down or be still my past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. I'm finished. I'm totally done with low living, small planning, smooth needs, mundane talking, chancy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotion or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or top or recognized or praised or rewarded. My pace is set. My goal is sure The road is there. My way is rough my companions to but my God is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, delayed, or deluded. I will not flinch in the face of adversity, nor negotiate at the table of the enemy, nor meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will go until he comes, give until I drop, speak all I know of him, and work until he stops me when he comes again, he'll so have no problem recognizing me because my colors are cleared. Are your colors clear? Who is your God? What does Almighty mean? That's what we're coming to.